So that's on the small businesses, right? So the small businesses have got access to the grants that the government side, private sector want to, they've got access to high net worth individuals. You really have to shoot your shot there because they, there's no platform where they are published to say, you can go uh, to OP, you can go to Mashudu, they wire 10,000 or whatever, whatever the case may be. Small businesses that have got, you know, purchase orders, they also have access to a lot of funds that have set up right now who offer uh, purchase uh, order financing or invoice discounting. Again, that's available. I always say the biggest challenge is really uh, not access to finance, it's more access to, to information. From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in. This podcast is sponsored by Sage Accounting. Sage gives entrepreneurs and small businesses the information, insights, and tools they need to succeed. Sign up for a 30-day trial to start using Sage Accounting in your business using the offer code SAGEMASH. Hi, my name is Octavius Pukubian. I help entrepreneurs find capital markets uh, through the work I do with IDFS and microtraction as a scout and as an MD of IDFS. Yeah, what does it actually mean to be a scout? Uh, you know, I think most people commonly call it <laughs> VC scout. Um, what yeah. does it mean? You know, the lot of people, I uh, uh, every time I say I'm the MD of IDFS and I'm also a VC scout, they get more attracted to the VC scout. I think it sounds more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's also mostly the just the type of work that uh, you know that comes with the, with with that sort of a responsibility. Uh, but essentially, really, what you look for is what what you tend to do as a VC scout is you just go out there, man, and get very connected with the ecosystem, uh, partner with entrepreneurs, uh, look for those that are highly, highly talented and are moving at the, at the fastest speed and, and connect them with, with funds. And essentially what I ended up, what I end up doing is, is sit in front of funds, in, in front of investors, early stage investors, and basically pitch or motivate for the entrepreneurs to be supported. And, and my work cuts across uh, multiple countries. You know, I look for young and old um, uh, founders that are building, you know, early stage technology startups. I, I, I typically, you know, prefer to find them at, uh, at the earliest stage, uh, but you can still also, uh, you know, scout for high growth. Uh, but I usually try and scout when people don't even know how to find them, you know, where to find them, how to spot the talent, how to spot them early enough where everybody else don't know 
how to touch them, why they should touch them, why they should work together with them. So, so that's what the kind of work you, as a VC scout, you know, the, what you do. Think of it in the in the football world, you know, a, you know, Manchester United, Barcelona, um, Real Madrid, uh, Juventus, all these big clubs. They have their scouts where they go all over the world looking for the next Messi, for the next, uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. So that's basically what VC scouts do. So yeah. we go and look for. Um, the knock the next one billion dollar business that's going to come out of uh, out of Africa then the second you know uh, billion dollar business that's going to come out of South Africa or wh- whatever the case may be yeah you know like i think it's a very exciting time where you know you're getting to see a lot of this happening where startups in in Africa are starting to get those sort of bigger checks and you know the funding seems to be flowing a lot more and you know, the ecosystem for the investors seems to be much more richer than it used to be. Um, what would you say the last 10 years have really been like um, working in the entrepreneur development ecosystem? And how has um, sort of COVID been an accelerant for things like um, a lot more investment? Jeez, when the last 10 years, um, you, you saw when, when, when the attention around the support for small businesses and startups started you know getting uh, a lot more um there's a big focus around non-financial support you know uh, contributions or or interventions where there's a big focus around you know giving people training giving people mentorship coaching and um and i think you know over time uh, you also had progress that was was taking place in other markets that were becoming a lot more mature and, uh, and 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 a lot of act- active investors were were keen to explore other markets. So 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 well while we we in the past year saw a a you know a lot of increase in terms of activity on the side of uh, of investors, but you also began to see a lot of funds being set up uh with the introduction of new legislation you know section uh section 12j you you also seeing a lot of um uh, a, a, an interesting you know progress around the sophistication of your traditional funds that are seeing your venture your venture investing as a as a lucrative uh, you know asset class uh, you you are also seeing your typical corporate finance heads who are interested in innovating how they've, they've, they've actually just, you know, backed a certain type of asset class. So they are now wanting to create their own internal, you know, uh, venture financing options as, as corporates, you know, your, your finance, your corporate finance teams. So, so there's been a lot of, a lot of uh, things that have driven and shaped the, the, you know, the, the progress we've seen over the past 10 years. So, so globally, a lot of mature markets were just hitting their caps and looking for other markets that they would, you know, um, start looking into. Uh, but but also social media and and and, dig- and digital channels have really played a great role in making it making the opportunities locally accessible, making you know founders access more 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 investors. There's, there's a lot of education that has grown, and there's uh, there's a lot of information that has been made fairly easily accessible. So a lot of founders are also getting to know who are the active investors. Active investors are beginning to see um, who are the good guys to really monitor and check uh, what kind of projects they are they are they are they are pursuing. 
So quite a lot of things, man, that have been happening in the past 10 years. Very exciting. I, I, I definitely uh, believe that in the past 10 years, um, it, it's the ecosystem needed to go through that. And it's and it's still in its infancy. It's still in, in its infancy. I mean, we continue to be, in, you know, really under underserved in South Africa. You still have black women founders not getting as much cash as they should, not enough big cash as they should. So while the... There's, there's enough active members coming, uh, whether the investors, whether angel investors, high net worth individuals also getting more interested, whether the uh, the corporate finance co- you know, guys also coming into, into, the, into, into the ecosystem. You're seeing a lot of new funds being set up, funds of funds being set up from the government, you know, setting up funds that fund funds. Right, you're seeing all of that. You're seeing international funds also now coming locally uh, to participate in some of the deals. You're seeing also entrepreneurs going outside to, to go and raise capital through the use of social media, getting to know more people, getting to know more um, um, uh, local guys. There's another point that actually was has, has been very interesting, Mesh, which is the diaspora. So the diaspora has also contributed in how accelerated the uh, the rate of activity in investing in venture or in, in, in startups has been. So you have an OP, you have a mesh that goes and lives in Tennessee or lives in San Francisco or lives in, in New York or lives in Michigan. And um, after four or five years or so, is becomes the link right between the talent and the, and the investment opportunities, right? And, and that has kind of brought in a, an, an interesting dynamic because also that diaspora is now wealthy enough or is successful enough to invest or syndicate investments in their local countries that they come from. We see that in Kenya, we see that in, in Zimbabwe, we see that a lot in Nigeria, big, we see that in Ghana, not too much South Africa. Um, I wouldn't say that that's, is that, much, that much is happening around, around the diaspora. Um, but but I think the evolution also of your government support interventions has become a lot more better. I think you have people, you have government who is getting more a lot more smarter. You know, either smartness can be uh, can be defined in the form of under appreciating that what you've been doing is actually useless. It's nonsense, right? Uh, and 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 being open enough to hear what other ways you could support entrepreneurs with COVID. It, COVID meant, you know, a number of things. There's good and bad. On the good side, you you have people who appreciated that speed is everything. That you delay by a week or two, it could, you know, suffocate businesses. It could suffocate startups. But on the on uh, and and then the the other uh, the other meaning of that is that you know entrepreneurs founders alike have now appreciated this concept we always talk about that you know you need to have a healthy runway right you you can't move from one month to another month relying on handouts or relying on one customer paying you or relying on you know on external cash that's going to last you two months or so it leaves you very vulnerable so so COVID has, has also meant that um but it also has encouraged people to lift their heads and look for other uh, places where they can source capital. Uh, it has allowed people to lift their heads and be and be confident to ask. And while they do it while afraid, um, you know, ask given the high net worth individuals, ask yeah. you know corporates 
to get involved. So so a lot of things have, have happened. In the past 10 years, it's difficult to squeeze it into two minutes or three minutes. Yeah. But a lot has happened. A lot. A lot has happened. Good things that have happened that are benefiting, you know, founders and entrepreneurs alike. Yeah. And like, just to latch on something you just mentioned, um, those alternative types of funding that people can look to, right? You know, VC capital, like VC funding, isn't necessarily the first option for most small businesses slash startups in Africa. Um, what would you mention as being, you know, the three or four other ones that people should be looking at, you know, whether that's angel funding, um, whether that's, you know, uh, banks, whatever it is, really. Um, banks. What you, I banks. mean, look, there are some people that are that risky. <laughs> but I, I don't know which bank you're going to go to right now in South Africa. Why is you 150000 within a week? The, the crazy thing is, though, when, 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 you know, at the height of the pandemic and we're talking, yeah. we're having this conversation like a year later, right? Yeah. But this yeah. time last year when like the, the worst of the pandemic I remember most people thinking that the relief for their businesses was going to come from banks. Mm. Most people weren't talking about alternative types of, 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 of funding or any sort of capital that they could get from somewhere else. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. find that to be different? And also then we can get into those sort of alternative methods of raising capital. I mean, you know, it's, as, a, as somebody who's, who's also um, studied um, development finance, I can tell you, you know, Banks, unless you know, over time, it, it, in the, they can they can evolve, but but structurally are not they are not designed for small businesses, right? Structurally, they're not designed for small businesses. Two, venture financing is 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 not designed for small businesses. Right? That's designed for for startups, purely because of the differences between the small business and startups, right? And we we can go into that. So 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 it's important to know where people stand. Who they are, how what they identify with, because when when that is done, you are likely to understand where you where your sources of funding um, options uh, lie, right? So as a small business, you you typically would would still consider the bank, uh, but that's a that's a last resort. That's a you know the fund of the last resort. Um, you I always say, uh, look for free money. Um, it, I don't know why there's a there's a negative connotation between uh, uh, you know around free money in South Africa when all over everywhere that I've gone all over the world you know there's a there's a fair amount of of of, a, of an acceptance that you know you never leave free money on the table so if government has got some grants oh yo hey listen go and get those grants as much as you possibly can right the only problem becomes when people look for those sources in as a form of dependency right. Those things are meant are meant to get you to the kickstart you to get to one, to one point and then you move on. In South Africa, we are we are unique and we are better positioned compared to the uh, to our, our counterparts in in other parts of the continent. You know, we we've got legislation that has been passed to allow corporates to invest in small businesses, right, to compensate for transfer for economic transformation because we are unique um, uh, in, in that in that respect when it comes to public policy. So, so those are other grants that you know governments, um, government has has made available, uh, whether in partnership with private sector, to uh, support small businesses. So, so entrepreneurs who are you know who are starting small businesses or are growing small businesses uh, need to understand the the sectors they operate in. If it's in mining, the mining companies will likely be required to invest a certain portion 
of their earnings towards development of small businesses through grants. Um, if it's in telecoms, if it's in financial services sector, if it is in manufacturing, if it is in agriculture, so forth and so forth. When it comes to other forms of capital, other forms of, uh, of funding that I've seen also to be, to be, you know, interestingly working, is that high net worth individuals are making low cost loans or zero interest loans available, or or uh, are taking some form of equity in these small businesses uh, and say, listen, here's ninety thousand. Pay me back when you need it. Um, when when you are happy, you and your you and your good to to uh, to pay me back. Or here's ninety thousand. Uh, you will just pay me back through your revenue that you generate. So right, so revenue share model, which is not popular, but it should be explored as another way that you could raise you could raise money from the different 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 people in structuring it uh, a lot better, you know, and not make it too expensive for you, right? So that's on the small businesses, right? So the small businesses have got access to the grants other government side, private sector want to, they've got access to high net worth individuals. You really have to shoot your shot there because they, there's no platform where they are published to say you can go uh, to OP, you can go to Mashudu, they wire 10,000 or whatever, whatever the case may be. Small businesses that have got, you know, purchase orders, they also have access to a lot of funds that have been set up right now who offer uh, purchase order financing or invoice discounting. Again, that's available. I always say the biggest challenge is really uh, not access to finance, it's more access to, to information. One of the things, Mesh, that, that is becoming you know, an opportunity, but I don't know why people are not seeing this opportunity of financing option. It's a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, lending. Or peer, you know, in FinTech, we talk about peer-to-peer -peer lending, uh, but, but basically you could have a, another startup that is successful investing in a, a, another small business that is successful supporting another you know sub, small businesses small business or you could you could have a cross a cross function uh, um, a, a cross collaboration where a successful startup that solves the problem of a st of startups investing uh, in startups signing small checks those you know 10,000 20,000 40,000 checks are powerful I, are powerful they they could change the face of the earth those those things are very powerful a case in point you work with Yoko, right? Yoko is a startup, gets a lot of funding, and with the with the solutions that it's it's building, part of it it's financing, you know, some of these the small merchants or the small businesses, right, that are selling retail stuff, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's another avenue that small businesses have. On the side of startups, there, you know, the the big one, you still can access um, cash from from the banks, um, but I always say there, you've got angel investors, you also have venture financing. Uh, you can still do, uh, which is pretty difficult yet. I mean, we've, we're seeing some solutions that are coming in in, in the ecosystem to provide, um, you know, your sort of milestone-based financing for technology startups, right? Because you know, if you've got a SaaS platform, you've got a an e-commerce platform, you've got a a marketplace, you've got a subscription. You know, how do I finance you? Because you don't have a PO. So, but how do I finance you? You know, so so if you say to me, listen, I've got 170,000 users on my platform. 40% of it are are active, and I've got maybe 13% subscribing, paying me 13,000 or so a month. Can I finance you based on that? There are solutions that are coming up. They're not yet mature, but I think those are some of the things that are coming that a lot of people will have options to access and help them finance their own their own startups outside of bootstrapping the obvious stuff
Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think of or just uh, view the place of incubators and accelerators in a post-COVID world um, where entrepreneurs and startups are really desperate for that development, that mentorship, yeah. that extra work to really get them to a place where they can dominate the market, you know, mm. attract that massive amount of funding, be able to take their products onto other countries as well. Um, how yeah. do you assess that? Um, what is their place in the ecosystem in this socially distanced reality? <laughs> do you know, I'm actually writing a, um, a thought leadership piece on this. Um, so with, but without giving away much, I, I, I think it's such an important question uh, because it's having to rethink how we've been doing things, but without, without eroding the, um, the significance of it, but, uh, but also not the, the value that is required to, uh, to be created uh, through such interventions. So, so, so the, w- w- is there a role for, ex- for, for incubators, accelerators? Of course, without a doubt. The question now is the, you know, the revisiting of the operating model. Uh, to it's the revisiting of the role. You know, you need to redefine the role in the context of the value that it adds to the entrepreneurs, right? Um, in the same, I mean, I, and I make this example. In the workspace right now, value was seen or, or, or productivity was calculated on, on bumps on seats. So if people are not clocking in the door and sitting on their desk, they are deemed to be not productive because we don't see them at home. Right, uh, that's what COVID has done. But COVID has then made people realize we, we actually need to reconsider the dimensions and the KPAs that we were interested in in evaluating what value. So now we are looking at output, mainly output. So let's look at the output. I don't care where Mashudi is. I don't care where OP is. It could be sitting on one corner of the universe, one corner of the mountain. Um, but it's really more about the output of the work that they are churning out, the rate of that. Of that. Um, it, there needs to be a demonstration of knowledge. So if incubators, you must understand, if incubators are assuming, are saying that we need to develop entrepreneurs, make them, you know, help them learn, we, we, there are many other platforms, many other channels, and many other formats of learning now other than being in the classroom. Um, right, so 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 you you are seeing that you could have other you know digital you know interventions to allow for this. There's a lot of and then there's incubators who are largely very 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 physical. Um, and we've said this. I remember in 2012, um, just about a year or so before I went to Japan, we talked about how do you how do you rethink a physical incubator that incubator that teaches people how to weld, how to make stuff. So maker spaces, incubators, how do you rethink these things, right? You've got to think about simulations using digitization. How do you allow people to learn any of these things from where, uh, from home? How do, you, how do you build solutions to allow people? Because it's a pandemic, remember? So you can't take risks, right? Uh, it's a pandemic. So, so f- you need to figure out ways in which you can uh, still achieve the output uh, but not compromising on the quality. Um, if if it if it talks about incubators are likely to be more more. You've got your physical ones and you've got your mainly your digital your startup ones. You know, so some of some of the guys that are building solutions that don't need anyone else to be physically in a in a place. So those ones that again, it's a lot easier to transition that, uh, but they play they still play a role. 
right? Because virtually you could still ensure people attend to um, to certain master classes, boot camps, some other learning experiences that the guys need to have, right? But even the the way in which you you assess impact, you need to completely rethink all of that. Um, you need to think all of that. Accelerators, by their nature, have largely always been more um, virtual and more light touch in physical form other than the incubators. Uh, but if you think about it, the rate, the concentrated rate of growth and learning is much higher now in the times of, of COVID because it's self-paced, it's in it's any moment, you could learn any time of the day, it's largely digitized or the simulated. So it means when in the past, if we were to think your incubation period would be acceptable at three years to five years, it, it can't be that anymore. That's too way too long. That's way too long. Right. If uh, incubation incubation period is, is it's not going to change, I think, you know, globally, it's, it's probably still going to sit at three months or between three months to six months. It's going to still going to be shorter. I don't imagine it being shorter than that. Um, but but what I've seen for emerging markets or frontier markets, I think it's important to not just take, you know, copy and paste what the, you know, immature markets and um, your USA, Silicon Valley, Canada and all those kind of places to just um, plug and play. I think for us in Africa, um, we need something between between um, a, 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 a a year and and half a year, right? I, I don't I, I don't personally subscribe to the three months, especially in Africa, because of the, um, the the magnitude of problems that we are having to deal with, the social the socioeconomic structure that we're going to have to contend with. When you're accelerating and incubating an entrepreneur in Africa, you must accept that you're dealing with many dimensions that even systemically um, you, you are having to, uh, you, you are not even going to solve. Even government has not been able to solve this thing. So people come from one, you know, a family with five people who are unemployed. So 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 in three months, you know, it's, you're not going to get everything else sorted because this guy's you wire 120,000 US dollars in their account, you know, probably the first month all they really want to think about is how they get like a decent meal for their family and um and and kind of just uh, you know address such things so you make an allowance for that and give another more year or you know a more month or so to get people to work, to work on personal development a lot of it you know um in the emerging markets your tech stars 500 startups you know uh, y combinator uh, not enough of that is focused on but for us we need it because of the impact of the social economic challenges we've really had on our just our mindset our mindset our characters as entrepreneurs so so there's a lot that is going to change especially with covid at the energy has exacerbated what the biggest problems that these you know um, ecosystem uh, interventions were meant to do so now it's even deeper but i think we, there's a rethinking to do to be done especially on the incubator side there's a rethinking to be done on the accelerator side. There's a rethinking to be done around your enterprise and supply development programs, which again very relied heavily on the physical physical touch. And uh, what does it mean now, right? Um, how do you do a due diligence remotely? So the trust levels for that the ecosystem has put on the shoulders of entrepreneurs in South Africa has ought to increase if we are going to accept a new way of working in the ecosystem. I need to trust that what you're telling me, even though I have not seen you five, five times in a month or in, a, in in three months, it's it's okay. 
I also need to, you know, uh, be comfortable that I am not going to. And the worst thing that could happen here, Mesh, is that people add more red tape to reduce the risk. Mm. I really hope that it's the opposite, right? Mm. Now that I can't see Mesh physically, I need to trust what he's saying. But instead of me asking him to send me 15,000 different videos, um, I should just take one, vi- take one video with him, one live video with him, and then that's fine, right? Um, as opposed to mitigating the risk now that I can't see him physically or whatever it is, right? We've got AR, we've got VR, so you could really just use technology to help you be more smarter, more efficient in the work that you- I just hope that, you know, it's simply all this new thinking, this rethinking, it helps us reduce the red tape which is around the time it takes to decide yes or no on deals or in startups, whether to fund them or not, whether to give them contracts or not, whether to give them loans or not. You know, it should be shorter. Speed is everything. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think that organizations, you know, entrepreneurs, startups, small businesses can do to prepare their businesses for the type of funding that can, can really actually help them scale? Um, well, well, for both small businesses and startups, they, they really need to get the fundamentals right, you know. Um, but even if the fundamentals are, are not right, you really need to be aware of where you are. It's important when you, when you, when you are pitching, whether you are raising, you're looking for a contract, whatnot, you know, um, to accept where you are and, 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 and the processes, whether it's processes and systems, whether it is the knowledge levels that you and the team have, right? Um, but whether it's your the you know how sophisticated the product, whether it's a physical product, whether it's a services. But what is critical, um, more than just getting the business fundamentals, um, if you're looking for uh, if you're raising venture, right? If you're raising venture, you know you you always want to prioritize making sure that you've got some some idea of of your of, of the market i always say you know get as quick uh, get to a validated market as quick as possible and and that validated market it varies from one funder to the other funder but it's great when you say that i think people love what what we're doing and the rule of thumb is if you've got three users on a platform uh, out of you know a market that is on, in your total addressable market, you said, listen, there's over 2.2 2. 2 and a half million. But right now on your platform, you've got, you know, uh, just 50 users. Is that, is that truly a, a validation, right? Is, truly, is that truly a validation? It would be a validation if the 50 users, you got them under 50 seconds. So now I can, I can imagine, you know, under 50 seconds, you've got 50 users. So if I give you more 50 seconds, uh, you're likely to grow. So, so it's, it's really that, you know, that part about, you know, growth, the concentration of resources, how much you of your own money you have used to validate the market, what insights you've you've gathered, um, in order for you to inform the likelihood of your of, of this thing succeeding. And it doesn't matter whether it's a small business or it's a macro business with a startup, right? Uh, you've got to make sure that you understand truly what that problem is. We these things have been said so many times, Mesh. You would think it's obvious. I swear to God, you'd think it's obvious until you are sitting in a fund and, 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 and entrepreneurs and founders are pitching. And you, you, you think, but guys, we thought this thing was fairly obvious and straightforward. That you, you have to demonstrate that you fully appreciate the problem. How, how do you do this? Either you've experienced it 
or either you have you, you are working with a team that has experienced this um but if it's all just academic or you, you can't even show to us that you've got a unique insight like you know something that a lot of people don't know or you know you've heard about the new regulation that's coming let's take a point in, in case in, in play, um uh, a po- uh, point in case it's the you know uh, a personal um uh, of uh, a protection of personal information act right yep. somebody fa- somebody must have heard about this thing before it became the rule before it became the rule before it became the law so somewhere someone must have somebody must have gathered the insight that guys this thing is coming and at some point there was talk there was talk about it but what did people know what did what did people do what did what 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 solutions did people come up with um to um you know make build their products on the back of this legislation or this 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 regulation you know very few right on cyber security you'd have expected people to come before to say listen this is what we're expecting this is the unique insight we have we've calibrated this thing we think this is what's going to come this is why we're building this kind of a solution right so so readiness for raising funds different sorts of funds it varies for angel investors you you're really going to be asked as a technology startup mvp in a small team of two or three people uh who are still probably part time you're not asking for anything more than a 5 500,000 rands or about say 27,000 US dollars or 30,000 US dollars between there and then you have people who are small businesses trying to go and get for trying going trying to get loans now I've worked for the bank, right? I can tell you if you're a small business and you're going to raise um some loan from the bank, all what happens is I I will ask you for your management accounts or a bank statement, right? Before you saying anything, before me asking you what was happening here, I look at your behavior based on the financial decisions and transactions that an activity that has happened that has happened in your business. That's what happens, right? So 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 if you know you're going to go and ask for money I always say before you go ask for money make sure your house is clean right I look at your bank statement I look at your management accounts I mean I see mix of woolies I see a mix of my my you know <laughs> mix of many things in there so I I get confused at Jesus Christ the day I give this guy money what on earth are they going to do before and by the time at, at, at in that in that spot you're not there to answer these questions for me i make my own mind so when i know the hack is if you know you're going to raise money now if you know today okay jesus christ you're going to raise money soon um you know in the next whatever 3 months the he- the hack is listen people are going to need 3 months bank statement people are going to need 3 months management accounts right so you hack it for that period right very rarely somebody is going to ask for 6 months and a year you know things i mean you know it's very rare but it's a, it's enough a period for people to estimate or to judge your behavior uh, so that's that's important how do you also know when it's time to raise or when do you raise what do you need to go and raise man don't ever go and raise money when you are zero when you are on zero bank balance that is the worst time to raise money you are not ready you are mm-hmm. not ready you are desperate you are going to accept terms you are going to be frustrated So my fir- the first rule for me is let's let's start from zero right so let's start from zero so you're starting from zero so you start a business so you use your own money right it, when you're using your own money you're bootstrapping already you must ask yourself how long can this money last me right how long must my own money how long is my own money going to last me 
the discipline and the principle starts there. If your own money is going to last you three months, start asking for money today, not after three months, right? And then as you progress in your entire, you know, growth, in your entire small business growth or your entire startup growth, at various stages, the rule, the longer, the rule is that you must keep, you must continue to look for ways to have money that lasts you longer. Because you are in a powerful position when you go and look for more money. The best people who raise money are people who don't actually do not need money. And it's the weirdest, it's, it's the weirdest thing, mm. right? That entrepreneurs take time to learn that you actually, the likelihood of you raising money is when you actually do not need money. It's the old, tra- tra- you know, um, uh, trick even for, for, for the bank. You know, they, they feel, you know what? You don't need money. You are likely, you are, look like a decent person, whatnot. You, you, it's the same even in, 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 in venture or in, in, in small business. But the reasons there are probably more different than in the bank, right? As opposed to the risk there. In this case, it's f- for you, the entrepreneur. I always say it's for you, the founder. You know, when, when you, if you, if you witness a founder that has unpaid salaries, unpaid obligations, raising, raising mesh, you will cry real tears because they will be frustrated. They will want this process to be so, so, so speedily done. And you are saying, but we've just, we are just issuing the term sheet today. And, 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 and again, they, at that stage, they, you know, you'll probably need another two, three weeks or so before the money can be wired in the bank account. And then you've got your employees crying for money to be paid for their salaries or for, your, for their wages. And then you've got creditors on your, on your head asking you for payment, rent, you know, so, so I say it really is important for people to raise when they don't have money. And it starts from it's, it starts from when you are launching, you know, when you are using your bootstrapping, you need to know, okay, I'm bootstrapping so it last me this long. I am going to need to start asking money right now. I raise angel fund or an angel round or I get a loan, a bridging finance. But when the first day it gets signed and approved or that pure finance gets approved, you must ask, you must continue looking and raising money and deciding whether you want a, want a loan, you want to give away equity. And you know, it's never ideal to give equity early on. Uh, you want to leave it to later on, to later, later stages. So that's why early, in the early phase, early phases, even from angel investors, uh, or your, uh, your seed, your pre-seed or seed players, you're raising convertible notes. You know, it's basically a debt. But this debt could turn into equity later, based on few conditions, in few, based on few, you know, liquidation, liquid, you know, or cash injection, new cash injection activities, right? So, so, so it's always to protect your your equity early on, and then you can give it away later on as you dilute. Um, when because you're gonna look for more money, the reason you you know you don't wanna give away too too soon is that you are you know you've got. Um, it, it's also. It's still very early stage, so you're a lot of it. You are guessing, you are making a lot of assumptions. So you could be giving away two percent at at uh, two, you know, two twenty thousand when you could be giving that two percent at two hundred thousand. You know, um, so 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 there's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider for people to think about when they are ready to raise capital and how they what they should have in place. Um, uh, like I said, you know, it's, it's really important for people to consider those things very critical because they can influence whether you're successful or not. Yeah. What is one piece of advice you wish you knew about 
entrepreneurship and starting a business before you actually did it? Cheese, <laughs> Jeez, man. What what was yours? Jeez. Um, um, one thing I wish I mean I I knew. Um, it's the one thing I think is it really being you know able to ask for help. I mean, mm. when I was starting out, I was so afraid to, uh, for asking help and help in many formats, help or, or from people who I knew um, had better skill than me on certain things. So, and that, uh, that led to making so many mistakes, man, Jesus Christ, so many costly mistakes, you know, um, you know, simple things, you know, you, your first order, you don't know how to negotiate it. You know, you wish you could have just asked somebody, guys, how do I negotiate this thing? What, wh how do I go into this room uh, and 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 try and get this deal? Um, you know, whether it's it's the it, like now this conversation, you know, how much money for this kind of a business do I ideally need? You know, I thought, you know, you are you sit there, you think you're a Zivinki, and man, after seven six months, you are seeing flames. Everything is just showing you heat red, and then you are just you're not you're you are you're having mental issues because you can't deal with it so i really wish um somebody you know um one advice i i, I got um you know somebody just saying listen man it's okay to really just ask for help really just ask for it. there is absolutely no need for you to be uh to be uh to be uh, a hero um this bravado of yours is really gonna not gonna save you um this 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 journey you know it's going to be lonely it's going to be hard so so please ask for help you could be shocked you'll be shocked at how how much people are willing to help how free things can be how and and you remember at this at the early stage when you're starting you know you want to preserve cash as well you know so so if you can get certain things for free by asking get them and and i mean and this again being reasonable we're not asking for people to be um you know to be over dependent and be you know uh, be silly about you know just constantly asking people and not doing doing carrying their own responsibility so one thing for me that's that man that's that yeah thank you so much for your time man i think that this was really really impactful and like i really hope that people learn a lot especially from you um you know your twitter channel has been like really powerful for disseminating so much like really valuable information around funding around know um, whether small businesses or startups how they raise money and really figure out the investment journey as well so thank you so much man only a pleasure mesh only a pleasure i i mean i just wish we had a an in-person chat so we can we can do this podcast for for four hours <laughs> we probably could <laughs> probably could. there's a lot of things to unpack and uh, and it's 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 so unfortunate that we you know we kind of have to squeeze everything in in a short space of time but I really hope that, you know, entrepreneurs and founders um, can, you know, just really place enough importance in making sure they get as much information. So so, so the information we share on Twitter, um, you know, or your channels, founder source, your own handle, um, it's really just to empower entrepreneurs to make better decisions, to, to be in the right places and to get what they truly deserve. And I wish, which is what, what, what pains me when deserving talented entrepreneurs do not get what they truly deserve because they don't know any better. You know, it really pains me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Opie. Cool, my brother. Really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you.
access previous episodes of this podcast, but also gain access to other shows on our network, please visit lucha.com.